0: Welcome to City on a Hill Church, Forest Hills podcast. We exist to lead people to love, trust, and follow Jesus in everyday life. We're glad you're here, and thanks for listening. More information on the life and mission of City on a Hill Church can be found at coahforesthills.org. our series in the book of Genesis. Uh, Genesis, if you've not been with us, this is your first time with us, or you're fairly new, just to kind of catch you up, is really a story in two parts. The first part is Genesis 1 through 11, which is how God has created a whole world for people, and then Genesis 12 how God through 50, how God has created a people for the whole world. And we see the story of this family that began with Abraham and is now passed down through his son Isaac, and then is now passing down to his son Jacob. And where we come to in the story in Genesis 27 is the story of Jacob and Esau. Now, I don't know, how many of you have a sibling? How many of you are not only children? How many of you ever fought with your sibling? Okay, you probably didn't fight like Jacob and Esau fought, right? Right? Like you probably probably never literally were going to kill your sibling. Uh, That's where Esau was at the end of this chapter. He was ready to kill Esau. Jacob. He thought about it. He molded over in his mind. That's what gave him comfort at night was the idea that one day he was going to try to kill his brother. They had a strained relationship to say the least, and they were not close in any way. They were constantly fighting with one another, and you see this because they're very different people. Um, Esau, as we said last a couple weeks ago, was this kind of manly hunter, grew up in New Hampshire, wore a lot of flannel, he hunted, like that is, that is Esau, he is the state of New Hampshire. Um, Jacob is sort of a homebody, he seems kind of like a book nerd, he likes the kitchen, he likes to cook, he, they have nothing in common. Esau is not going to invite Jacob on a, kitchen, uh, a, a, a fishing trip or a hunting trip, um, and Esau is not going to join Jacob in making pork belly tacos. They're not going on vacation together. They, they do not get along in any way. They've been, in fi- they've been fighting their entire lives, and we see this in, uh, back in Genesis 25, that in the womb, they were clashing into each other to the point that Rebekah said it felt like she was being torn apart from the inside. As they were being born, Esau is born first, and Jacob reaches out and grabs him by the heel, which is what gives him his name. This was their relationship. And the big fight for their entire lives was over the blessing of their father. And so we think, what is the big deal about receiving a blessing? What, Why couldn't they both be blessed. And the reason is, is we don't quite understand what's at stake because when we think of blessing, we think of just receiving something good. If I receive a bonus at work, that's a blessing. If I receive uh, someone paying for my meal or through the drive-thru, that's a blessing to us, good fortune. But for them, it was something so important that they were willing to sever a relationship with each other. It was so important that Rebecca and Jacob thought that they could steal it, and it was so important that Esau, when he saw that it had been taken away from him, was gutted and showed emotion and wept before his father. And the reason is, is that in the Bible, blessing has to do with ultimate approval. Blessing is approval. Blessing tells you who you are. What you look to for approval tells you who you are. What you look to for approval is your vision of the type of person that you're becoming. It's your identity. And for Esau and for Jacob, they were looking to their father, Isaac, to give them a sense of identity, and the inheritance and the blessing that he would give them was his approval. It was his hand upon them, and he held their future in his hands, and his words and his blessings would set the entire course of their lives. They were looking for his approval. They wanted their father's approval more than anything and because that would tell them who they were. It would give them a sense of security and a sense of, of a future and a purpose and a meaning and a blessing. And every single one of us are looking for something to give us approval. Every one of us are looking for something to give direction to our lives and really tell us who we are. And sometimes that can be something other than God that is, we will sacrifice everything for. Tom Brady retired like 28 times. He couldn't stay retired because he loved football more than anything else. He was willing to sacrifice his marriage in order to play the game of football because that's what defined him. That's what was his blessing. That's what made him feel like he was enough. We're all looking to something to give us a sense that we are somebody and that we are enough. And so let's look at the story that we see here in Genesis chapter 27 and what it teaches us about approval, but also where the only place approval can be found. Firstly, we all want and need approval. You and I all want and need approval. Every single person in this room is looking to something for approval, and every person in the story is looking for approval. We see this with Isaac in in verse 1. Isaac, it says, when he was old and his eyes were dim, which means that he he couldn't see. Um, so that he could not see, he, he called Esau, his older son. And so he calls his older son to him, and he wants to leave something for him. He wants to leave an inheritance for his son, and he calls Esau to himself, and he says, my son, he answers, here I am, verse 2, he said, behold, I am old, I do not know the day of my death. I am dying, the days are numbered, and I have to leave something for you before it's too late. He said, I want, I'm going to bless you, but first I want you to go hunt, Verse 3, now then take your weapons, your quiver, and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me. Go, go do something that makes me proud, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. What is, what is Isaac looking for approval in? This picture of being a good dad. He wanted to do what all other fathers would do, and he wanted to do right by his son. And he says, I've raised an obedient son. I've raised a son who does all the right things, and he makes me look good, and he he satisfies me, he's honoring me, and he wanted to look good before his neighbors. He is seeking approval through his son. We see Rebecca in verse 5 is no different. Now, Rebecca was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau and details the plan of bringing the food so that it might be a blessing. She wants to do right by Jacob. She has a soft spot for the younger son. She wants justice for the little guy. And she remembers all the promises of God that said that this is the son whom the blessing is going to go to. The, the older will serve the younger And I'm going to make sure that this happens even if it hurts my other son, Esau. I'm going to make sure this happens even if it puts me at odds with my husband. Seeking approval through her other son, Jacob. And then Jacob and Esau, who both want their father's love, they're seeking acceptance from him and they wanted it more than anything and they're willing to be cutthroat to get it. And so we see Esau trying to live up to the expectations of his father. Esau from birth has probably been told that he has to be a certain type of man. He has to bring honor for his family. There's a certain type of responsibility he has to bear as the oldest child. If anybody else here is the oldest child, you have to be responsible. You have to keep everybody else alive in the house, right? Your younger sibling could run wild. It doesn't matter. You're responsible. He has to live into this identity as the older son looking for the approval of his father. And then we see Jacob, who's never received the love he wants and would do anything to get it. One way or another, you and I are all looking to something or to someone to give you approval, to give you a sense of who you are, to give you a sense of belonging, to give you a sense of meaning and purpose. And last week, we looked at the mess of this family, how every family is a mixture of brokenness and blessing. Every family has a mess. Every family has blessing for it. And those things shape you into who you are. And for many of us, we're still looking for the approval of parents. I was at a conference one and I heard a pastor say, he said, many of you men are in ministry because you don't believe in the love of the Father because you're still looking for the love that your Father never gave you. And I punched that guy in the mouth. And I didn't do that, I'm kidding. But he was right. Many times we do the things that we do because we're looking for the approval of our parents. We bear that responsibility. For some of you, it's your career. It is really easy to make your career who you are and not simply what you do. Think about in Boston, anytime you meet someone, what's like the second or third question you get asked or you ask them? What's your name? Where are you from? And what do you do? Right? What's your name? Where are you from? And what do you do? We believe that our identity, who we are, what gives us approval is wrapped up in, in, in our jobs. And in fact, there was a study done where they took pictures of the same people and dressed them in different clothing, professional clothing, blue collar clothing, different, the same people. And they did a study and showed these pictures to different people. And people, no matter who the person was, depending on what they were wearing and the job is signaled that they did, they rated them higher on attractiveness, how much money they thought they made, how, how, how fun they looked, depending on how high class the job was. We've been trained to believe that our jobs define us. We can look to a romantic relationship for appro- approval. If I have someone who loves me, then I'm lovable. And there's all sorts of other areas of life that we look to to find approval. If I can just meet all of my goals, I have all these goals that I need to achieve by 30 or 35 or 40 or 50. And if I don't achieve these things, then I'm a failure. If I don't live out these certain experiences and I don't get to go do this or do that, then I'm not enough of a person. And sometimes it's religious. It's religious. We believe that if I just stack up enough good works, then I can finally be right. I can finally be approved. I can be enough for the Lord. And all of these things are ways that we seek approval to tell you who you are. Someone loves me, so I'm a lovable person. I do good things, so I'm a good person. I am an obedient child, so I'm a beloved son or daughter. They tell you who you are, that you matter, that you're loved, that that you're safe, that you're okay. And so we want these things so badly because they're not a bad desire. The desire to be approved of, to be liked, the desire to to be known isn't a bad desire. You were made to be known and loved. You were made to be approved of. You were made to be delighted in. The Scriptures at the very beginning of Genesis in chapter 1 say that every single person was made in the image of God, which means that you were made with value, dignity, and worth. And so the desire for approval is important, and we need approval, and it should cause us to ask the deepest question, which is, who am I? What do I really believe gives me a sense of who I am? And we see in verse 18, this is wrapped up in Isaac's blessing. He says, so it says, so he went to his father, talking about Jacob, and said, my father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? He was only going to bless him if he knew that he was his son. What you're looking to for approval gives you a sense of who you are because it points to something deeper. And what Jacob is wanting to know in this moment is is if I'm truly his son, then I'm going to matter to him. If I'm truly his son, he's going to be pleased with me. If I'm truly his son, he's going to love me and he's going to bless me. And we all need this sense of identity that everything you do is really trying to answer the question, who am I and how do I relate to the world? And we know this because you have desires and longing. You wouldn't seek to be loved if you weren't made to be loved. You wouldn't seek purpose if you weren't meant to have a purpose. You wouldn't seek meaning if there was no meaning. And so our hearts long for approval, and it's ultimately a longing to know God Himself. And what we see is that sin enters and distorts our desires and makes us look for love and approval and to be known in places other than God. So the question is not if you should seek approval. But how should you seek approval? And where should you seek approval from? And so the story shows us that there are a lot of wrong ways to seek approval. As you read Genesis 27, you see there are no heroes in this chapter. There's no one in this chapter that is an example that you should follow. Like who in this comes out of the story looking like a million bucks? Well, inflation is like 3.2 million bucks. But who comes out of this looking good? I mean, old, blind Isaac, who's only driven by what his taste is. Conniving Rebecca, who feels like she's got to move all the pieces on the deck around so that she can bring things about the way she thinks they need to be. Deceitful Jacob, who's willing to lie and cut his brother out. Or prideful Esau, who thinks that he can just be a good enough person to earn his father's love. All these are examples to warn you that seeking approval outside of God leads to disaster. Nancy Guthrie says that everyone in the family sought the blessing of God without bending the knee to God. So they wanted the blessing that God could only provide, but they looked for it in other ways. And so let's look at some ways that you can seek approval outside of God himself. One is by ignoring God's will. It's a pretty dangerous place to be to just simply ignore God's will. But you see in verses 1 through 5 that that's exactly what Isaac does. Isaac heard the prophecy in chapter 25, verse 23, that the older was served the younger. I'm I'm sure Rebecca told him that story. I'm sure Rebecca said, you will never believe what the angel did when your sons were just going, like, like just beating each other up in my womb. I'm sure she told him. I'm I'm sure that he knew of this prophecy, and he's, he's probably thinking, look, I know you and your son don't click. I know that he's not... Quite the son you'd hope for. He doesn't do all the things that you enjoy. You don't have a lot in common, but you should probably treat him a little better because he's the one who the blessings going to come through. He if, maybe he didn't hear that, maybe he, but he had to have known that Esau sold his birthright for a can of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Like he had to have known that, and he just ignores it. He loved Esau more than he loved doing the will of God. I'm just going to overlook that. That was a mistake. It was a moment of weakness. I mean, everybody has a moment of weakness. I'm just going to bless Esau anyway. Surely this is what God wants. He's the oldest child, and it is flagrant that he just ignores the will of God. I don't know if you ever play basketball or watch basketball, they have what's called a flagrant foul. It's more than just a regular foul, it means that you weren't even going for the ball. You just clothesline the person. This is a flagrant foul on the will of God. It's egregious. He doesn't even try. And so as you and I are discerning the will of God, we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to submit to the will of God? And how do we we discover God's will? We discover it in His Word. God, everything we have here is, God gives us everything that we need for life and godliness. It's not a mystery. God's not going to give us something that doesn't accord with His Word. And sometimes what He calls us to do is super clear. Sometimes it is just so clear what God calls us to do. Here, it was pretty clear. He'd been given the instructions. You're supposed to bless the younger son. The Bible says that we should do it in context. But sometimes it's not clear. And you have to ask the questions, does this give God glory? And does this love my neighbor? Or is this more about me than it is about them? And what we're saying when we submit to the will of God is, God, I find my approval ultimately in you. I find my approval in who you say I am, not in my own opinion. I love you and trust you enough to obey you, but we can often look at what God says and what God says leads to life, and we can just ignore it. We just kind of overlook it. We skim past that part of the, I don't really like that part, I'm going to skim past that part of the Bible. We can think that we just know better. That's, that's, that's old-fashioned. I just don't agree with that. You know, God, I really want to do this, and I know you say I shouldn't do it, but I really want to do it anyway. What you're asking me to give up just seems really seems too hard. And Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau and us are just repeating the same pattern that we see in Genesis, 23, or Genesis 3 where the serpent asks, did God really say that? We repeat the same thing where we make something else central to our lives, whether it's our career or another person or our desires, and we want them so much that we are willing to just ignore God or downplay what his word or or reject what his good word says. And what ignoring did for Isaac is it led him to trust in himself. Instead of trusting the will of God, instead of trusting the word of God, all that Isaac had was... His own intuition. All he had was his own ability to think through this and discern if this is right or not. And I think what's fascinating is, is as you look at Genesis 27, all five of Isaac's senses fail him. It's fascinating, right? Verse 1 says that his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he couldn't perceive with his eyes. Verse 4 says that he was driven by what he tasted. The desire for food, his stomach. I've made a lot of like the Snickers commercials. I've made a lot of bad decisions when I'm hungry. Like, he was driven by his, his desires, his taste. It failed him. Verse 22, he, he touches Jacob, believing that he's Esau, and he's wrong. His hearing is even going a little bit in verse 22, because he asks and he says, you feel like Esau, but you sound like Jacob. And then in verse 27, he smells who he believes to be Esau, and he is dead wrong. We trust ourselves. Our senses fail us. But also ignoring God led him to an urgent decision. I think what's also fascinating is that Isaac wasn't dying. He lived another 20 years. He lived another 20 years. But when you're waiting something on something that you just desperately want, it can make you feel like you're dying when you don't have it. And it can make you panic and, and do whatever it takes to get it because you feel like the, t- the clock is ticking. But one thing I found is that God and his timing is never late. And we almost always want to move faster than God does. So Isaac shows us that we shouldn't find approval through ignoring God's will, but Rebecca shows us that we shouldn't do it through manipulation. Rebecca tries to manipulate the circumstances. She hears Isaac's plan, and in verse 8, she says to Jacob, Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two young goats, so that I may prepare from them delicious food for your father such as he loves, and, that, and you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. So, Jacob hears this and realizes this sounds like a bad idea. She, he says to his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. Now, he doesn't say this because he has just a moment of clarity where he's like, you know, I'm just doing the wrong thing, and I'm defrauding my brother. He's doing this because he knows he's about to get caught. Now, I don't know if you, again, going back to siblings, I don't know if you ever did something to your sibling that you knew you were going to get busted for. I was about 12. My mom often watches the live stream, so sorry, mom, if you're about to hear this for the first time. Um, My brother and I were in an argument, and back in the day, you used to get your news through an actual newspaper, okay, back in in the 90s. And so the Sunday newspaper was the size of of a redwood tree. It was this big around, it had the strongest rubber band you've ever seen around it, and so we're arguing, and I just grabbed the first thing I can find to hit him with, and I grabbed this and smack him across the head with it. And when I did, I clapped him right across the ear, and he couldn't hear out of his right ear, yeah, right ear, for three hours. And I am begging my brother, Brian, I'm so sorry, I I just didn't mean to do that, I'm so sorry, please don't tell mom. I'm not concerned with whether that was the right thing to do or not. I'm concerned with getting in trouble. Jacob is solely concerned with getting in trouble. And we see that he doesn't really care about doing the right thing because in verses 18 through 20, he manipulates through lies. Verse 18, it says, so he went to his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game that your soul may bless me. And so he straight lies to his father's face. Then Isaac seems to think this something's off here. He says, how is it that you have found us so quickly, my son? And then, then Jacob kind of tags God's will on it. He says, because the Lord your God granted me success. We can lie to ourselves and even lie and believe that God is blessing something that we are manipulating with our own actions. You can want something so bad that you're willing to lie for it, to see for it, or just subtly leave out the details and, and justify that it's for something good, that I know I lied, but I did it because I didn't want to hurt you. So we can do it through manipulation, but what Jacob does is Jacob shows us that we can seek approval by trying to be someone that we're not. Look at verse 15. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob her younger son. She took Esau's best clothing, which would have given Jacob the best opportunity to look like his brother. But the problem is, is that these clothes probably didn't fit. Here's big, hulking Esau in his clothing, and here is little, slight Jacob. And I'm sure the clothing is just draping on him. It's like finding your grandfather's wardrobe, but not his work ethic. It, that, that's what it is going on here. He, he, I'm sure he looks ridiculous, and then verse 16, I find hilarious. Um, and the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. How hairy was Esau? <laughs> like, I mean, that you could be confused for a goat. Like, I've met hairy people. I actually have two friends who remind me of Jacob and Esau, my friends Jordan and Mike. They were fr- uh, two guys I discipled at our church in Birmingham. Jordan had never grown a piece of facial hair in his life. He was the smoothest person I have ever met. Mike was the hairiest person. You could see his body hair through his clothing. That, that is what I imagine when I think of Esau, that you're so hairy that you get confused for a goat. That's, okay, that's, that's a sidebar. That's a hairy man. So he wears, puts all these things on. She, and it says in verse 17, she put the delicious food and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob, and he goes to the father. And in verse 21, he draws near Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son, Esau, or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. That no matter how much he played the part, no matter how much his father touched him, he just wasn't quite enough because he was playing a part of somebody that he wasn't. No matter matter how much we pretend to be someone that we're not, there's always something lacking. And then in verse 24, we see that he gets what he wants. He, Isaac, said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him, and Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is, is as the smell of a field that the Lord is blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be every person who curses you and blessed be every person who curses blesses you he gets everything he wants but here's the really sad and devastating part he only blesses him because he thinks he's somebody else he only blesses him because he thinks he's his brother and you and i do the same thing you want to be liked in a friendship what do you often do you often don't be yourself you always try to hide parts of your personality to be like you. You over try and uh, try to be out there and be, be the funny person. You're afraid of being called too loud or being called too much. You can fake it at work. Sometimes you're, some people, some of you are in a job that you hate because somebody else told you you should do it because it'd make you feel important. Or you have to be as successful as that mentor you had. You have to get to the top of your field. You have to be the most skilled. And the problem with all that approval and trying to be somebody that you're not is it's hollow because it feels like it's for somebody else. And what seeking approval the wrong way does, whether, and the reason it fails you, whether it's through ignoring God or whether it's through manipulation or trying to fake it, is that you see it fails when you don't get it. Verse 30 through 40, we see that Jacob gets his blessing and he bolts. Esau returns and he's done everything that the father has asked him. And he says in verse 31, uh, he says, Lord, he says, let my father arise and eat of his son's game that you may bless me. I've done all the right things. I've made all the right decisions. And Isaac is trembling because he knows that he has failed his son. And Esau realizes what he's lost. And we see in verses 34 through 40, as Misalene read, that Esau is pleading with his father for a blessing. He's pleading with him. He's saying, give me something, give me crumbs, give me, give me anything. And he realizes that he had done all the right things and it still failed him. The temporary parts of life that you look to for approval, for those, that sense of who you are will let you down. They will fail you because that desire for approval is a desire for something eternal something deep within us that only God can satisfy. And we see this as the writer of Ecclesiastes said, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet yet, so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. That God, this is fascinating, has put a deep eternal longing in our souls that is bigger than we can wrap our minds around. He's he put a longing in our souls that nothing on earth can actually satisfy. And it means that they're meant to point our desires beyond being a good parent or a good friend or a good worker to God himself. And it says, C.S. Lewis says, that if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. So your job, your relationship, the neighborhood you live in, the school that you go to, We're never designed to be enough. And the only way that you're ever going to be satisfied in that job is if you realize that you're already approved by God. The only way that you're truly going to believe that you're loved by a friend or by a significant other is if you rest in the love of Jesus. The only way that you're going to be content where you are right now that no neighborhood or job or situation will ever fix is if you're content and satisfied in Christ. So The things we look to for approval fail us when we don't get them. They also fail us when we do get them. Look at verse 41 through 45. Jacob gets everything that he wanted. He got the blessing of the father, yet it cost him everything. His brother Esau is ready to kill him. His mother has to send him out away from her presence. And in fact, he never sees his mother again. He lost everything everything. He's always running. And what we often see is the severe mercy of God to give us what we think we want. There are times that God will give you what you think is your greatest desire to show you that it's never going to be enough. That, that's his mercy to us. So how do you find approval that truly satisfies? There's only one way to this type of true approval. and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, try to wrap it up here. You have to realize a few things. Number one is you don't deserve it. No one in the story deserves approval. No one in the story deserves blessing. Not Isaac, not Rebecca, not Jacob, not Esau. Yet God chooses Jacob. And the reason is, and Nancy Guthrie puts it again, she says God, God's love was extended to this unlovely sinner, not because of the kind of person Jacob was, but in spite of the person he was that God blesses the most messed up member of the family to show you what grace is like. And you might be looking at the story and saying, man, that is unfair. You're the older brother or the older sister who did everything right. That sounds unfair to me. That little twerp deceives his brother and he's the one that gets blessing? What did he do to deserve blessing? That's the point. That's the point of the gospel is that we don't deserve it. We don't deserve the blessing of God, yet God blesses us, and you have to receive it first by understanding you don't deserve it. You receive it as a gift. Secondly, you have to admit that you have looked elsewhere for blessing. Look at verse 33. We see that Isaac trembles very violently. Now, I was curious as I was reading that, why did he tremble? Was he angry? Was he just simply afraid? But as one writer said, it's that he realized that he had been outed by God, that he had been looking for approval through his oldest son, and he had to submit to the will of God. So what ways are you looking for approval in something other than God? God calls that repentance. You have to admit your sins and turn toward God. Thirdly is that you have to receive blessing and approval outside of yourself. You cannot do enough to be right with God. You cannot do enough good works. You cannot have enough achievements. You cannot be a good enough friend. You cannot be a good enough spouse. Jesus gives you the approval that your heart truly wants. You have to receive his blessing. And when you do that, you receive all the blessings of being known by God. You receive the forgiveness of your sin. You receive the removal of shame. You receive purpose and and comfort from God and peace and the love of a father And this is what approval in Christ looks like, because you're so perfectly loved and approved by God, it means He's completely satisfied in you. When you look for approval in something other than God, there's always this low-grade feeling that you're not enough. And on your best days, you feel like there's more that could be done, and on your worst days, you feel like you have nowhere to turn. But in Christ, there's nothing to prove, there's nothing to achieve, there's nobody to impress. You simply receive it by faith, and you do so because of this. Jesus is the better Jacob. He's the better Esau. He's the better Rebekah. Jesus, put on your sin like a hairy goat's garment so that you could put on his righteousness. Jesus is that firstborn and beloved son who lost his blessing so that you could have it. And like Rebecca, he took your curse upon himself going to the cross to pay for your sins so that you could be known by God. So where are you looking for this approval? Even as a follower of Jesus, it's really easy for our eyes and our hearts to wander away from Jesus to something else to find approval in. Live into the approval that is yours in Christ. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, turn from those lesser things that your heart longs after. Turn away from your job or your career or relationship, whatever it might be that you're looking to that is always going to let you down and give your life to Jesus today who is enough for you. Let's pray.